Well, hello, my friends, and thank you for listening to the Hope for Your Heart broadcast. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. So glad that you are joining us today. And over the last couple of days, we've been talking about marriage and successful keys to a great marriage. Now, I want you to know that even in this day and age that we're living in, you can have a successful marriage. You don't have to have a marriage that ends in divorce. And I know the divorce rate is astronomical. Half of the couples out there are getting divorced, and maybe you've experienced a divorce and you're thinking, well, I don't know how I'm going to have a successful marriage. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he was on his fifth marriage, and he said, is there any hope for me? And I said, well, yes. I says, this fifth marriage that you're working on right now, if you will allow the Lord to work in this relationship, you'll have a successful marriage. I promise you will. And here are six keys that we've been going through over the last couple of days on how to have a successful marriage. Key number one is communication. You know, the Bible says reliable communication allows us to make progress. So when we think about reliable communication, it is speaking the truth. James Robson says, screaming and accusing and berating are rarely successful in changing behavior. People don't change because you yell at them. You know, most marriage problems include some kind of a, of a communication breakdown. And so communication is key. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only use words that are building up, good words, edifying words, building up your spouse. So that was the first key. Uh, The second key is consideration. The Bible says you must learn to be considerate of one another, cultivating a life of common. That's 1 Corinthians 1.10. Being considerate of your spouse. Consideration means not only thinking of myself, It's thinking we instead of me. You know, we especially as husbands need to work on this whole matter of consideration, being considerate of one another. Peter reminds us that husbands must show consideration for their wives. As you live with your wife, show consideration to her. Because if you don't, your prayers are actually hindered. You know, somewhere I figured out that uh, as I pray and as I'm considerate of my wife, my prayers are more powerful. You see, the problem is, is, The longer we're in a relationship with somebody, the more we take them for granted. And so I want to encourage you, be considerate of your spouse. So let's review. Communication is key number one. Key number two is I must be a person who is considerate. Key number three, we must be a person in a relationship that is willing to compromise. Now, I know we don't like that word compromise. Generally, it's a bad thing, right? I'm giving up what I believe for the sake of somebody else. I'm not talking about compromising on truth. I'm talking about the fact that a a home divided against itself is going to be doomed. I'm talking about the issue of selfishness. You see, the Bible says people who do not get along with others are only interested in themselves. So love does not demand its own way. You know, time and time again, in every relationship, you have to yield your rights to the rights of somebody else. You defer to that person. Now, compromise can be a good thing. Not compromising the truth. I'm talking about compromising your own opinions. Romans 15 says, May God develop maturity in you so that you get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us all. So in the broadcast yesterday, I asked you to rate yourself on this matter of maturity. How are you flexible with your spouse? How do you compromise with your spouse? Are you considerate with your spouse? You know, if your spouse is okay, and you know, you need to work on some things that that it can become even better. 
Key number four, if you want to have a successful marriage, is contact. You know, babies can die for lack of touch. So failure to thrive is a failure not to touch somebody. You know, UCLA did a study and they discovered that if you hug your husband at least three times a day, you can increase his lifespan by three years. Some of you may be saying, well, tough luck, honey. Been nice knowing you. But contact is so vital to a marriage relationship. And then number five. Now, this is kind of where we left off on the broadcast yesterday. Key number five is commitment. In fact, the difference between marriage and just living together is the word commitment. You see, God expects us to keep commitment. In fact, look at the verse that's found in Malachi, Malachi chapter two. It's an Old Testament passage. And uh, these are very strong words. God says, I hate divorce. So make sure that you do not break your promise to be faithful to your spouse. Key number five is commitment, right? You know, divorce is a reality in our world. And there are many, many people in our church who have been through the painful experience of divorce. Well, thank God for his grace and his forgiveness. But let's be honest, it's not God's ideal. God wants every man, every woman who who stand together to make marriage vows to stay together for life, no matter how hard it gets or what happens along the way. You'll never build a strong, intimate relationship in marriage if divorce is always an option. There are many people who will carry around secretly this little escape hatch. And in their minds, they think, if it gets really hard and things don't go the way I like them, I can always get divorced. If I'm really unhappy, I've got this little key and I'm going to escape through this hatch and it will allow me to get out of this relationship. You see, the reality is in our culture, it's become far too easy to run away. So let me encourage you. If you're married, if you're here hearing this message, throw away that key that gives you that hatch to escape your marriage. Don't leave yourself an escape hatch. Don't leave yourself that option. When you say, till death do us part, that's a lifetime commitment. Don't let it be an option. Now, here are one of the things that people don't often realize. Commitment somewhere along the way will mean that you're willing to be unhappy for a while. Somewhere in your journey of marriage, your commitment will require that you be willing to be unsatisfied, to be unhappy for a season until things work out. There are some people who have the attitude, if I could just get out, if I could just be with another person, if I could just kind of have a different relationship. The whole idea of the grass being greener over there is that the grass is greener where you water it. The grass will never be greenest where you walk over it. It starts with commitment. No matter where you are right now, it's going on in a relationship. Stay with that relationship. Be committed. You know, somewhere along the way, we will be unhappy in our marriage for a while. But if you will remain committed, I promise you, those feelings will come back. Somewhere in your journey in your marriage, your commitment will be requiring of you a willingness to be unsatisfied, a willingness to be unhappy for just a season. You know, things will work out. There are some people who have the attitude that if I could just get out, if I could just be done with that person, if I could just get a new kind of relationship. You know, the whole idea that the grass is greener on the other side, you know, the grass is greener where you water it. The grass is never greener where you walk all over it. 
You know, when our relationships begin to fall apart, it's because we're walking over somebody. Uh, instead of watering that person and encouraging that person, you know, it all starts with your commitment. I've decided what I'm going to do if my wife runs away. Uh, and I tell this often to our congregation. If my wife decides to run away, I know what I'm doing. I'm running away with her. Because no matter where you are right now or what's going on in your relationship, if you're committed, you can work out anything. You can make it through difficulties. I don't care what's happened to your relationship. If there's enough commitment there, you will work it out. You know, not too long ago, my wife and I celebrated over 30 years of marriage. Uh, When we got married, I got to be honest with you, I was clueless about how to be a good husband. I had a distorted idea of what it meant to be a spiritual leader in my home. And I didn't realize as I began this journey with my wife that many times I damaged her self-worth. I damaged her self-esteem. But even through all those difficult, hard times, she never threatened to leave me. She never threw in the towel. She never threw up the divorce option. You see, we were committed to each other. As hard as it was, we were committed to each other. I remember when we had our first child. Our marriage was kind of rocked because when Tyler was born, Sherry went through a difficult time with postpartum depression. And I remember uh, I had taken a week off from work, and I had just gone back to the church office. And and this was the day before they had cell phones. And as soon as I got to the church office, the secretary told me that my wife had called. And so I called her back, and and, uh, she was just beside herself. So I ran home. And uh, I walk into the room, and and uh, and there Tyler is on the floor screaming, and there she is sitting on the on the recliner just crying and all uh, broken up and all upset. And so I ran to her, I ran to Tyler, picked him up. He stopped crying, she stopped crying, and then she says, "He hates me. <laughs> that baby hates me." And uh, when I picked him up, he stopped crying, and and uh, things worked out. Now it was a few months of difficulty where I came home to a wife that I didn't realize had struggled so much. You know, thankfully, she got better. But for a couple months, she was really struggling, and she was having a hard time. So I was Mr. Mom and Mr. Dad for a short while. But you know what? She got worked through that. God allowed people to come into her life that could help her through that time, and she got better. I'm so glad that we stuck it out. You know, here, 30 years later, as I look back to that, We've been able to help many couples who have had battles with postpartum blues because we've been there. We've experienced it. What would have happened if we hadn't stuck it out? If we had decided to throw in the towel? We couldn't be a blessing to other couples. We couldn't encourage others. Well, I've given you five keys so far. Key number one is you got to be good at communication. Talk often to one another. Key number two, you got to be willing to Talk about this whole matter of compassion, consideration. Be considerate of one another. Key number three is you got to be willing to compromise. Give up your opinions. Give up some of the rights that you have. Not the right to be right and wrong, but the right to compromise your opinions. Number four, we talked about touching one another in contact within a marriage. Key number five, commitment. Be determined to work things out. You know, divorce, unfortunately, is a reality in our world today. If you've been divorced one time and you're a second marriage or third marriage, be committed to work this marriage out. And then key number six is have Christ at the center. Right smack dab in the middle of your marriage. Colossians chapter two says, God's secret is Christ himself. He is the key 
that opens all the hidden treasure of God's wisdom and God's knowledge. You know, we live in a hurricane zone, and uh, it's often that we have hurricanes come up the coast, and sometimes they die down before they hit us with a full brunt. But when you think about a hurricane, winds come at the beginning of the hurricane, and there's the eye of the storm where things kind of settle down, and then you get hit with the backside of the hurricane. When Christ is the center, you can be in the midst of a hurricane, but if he is in the middle of your marriage, even in the midst of the storm, he can bring about peace. Isaiah 33, 6 says, he will be the sure foundation in your times of trouble. He is a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Oh, I want you to know that having Christ at the center of your marriage will bring about success. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus talks about a good tree and talks about the fruit of a good tree. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. And then he says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks where the heart is full of. A good man brings forth good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you, if that every one of you will have to give an account in a day of judgment for every empty word that you have spoken. For by your words, you'll be acquitted. And by your words, you'll be condemned. When I think about the words that we speak, every time we open up our mouths, Christ should be coming out of our lips. And I'm not talking about using the name of Christ every time we speak, but speaking the way that Christ would speak, using the analogy of a tree that bears good fruit. A good fruit of a tree comes from the good root of a tree. A healthy tree produces healthy fruit. If you want to have a healthy marriage, put Christ right at the center. Allow him to be that sure foundation in your life. And you discover that God will use you beyond your wildest imaginations. God can do amazing things through your marriage. Now, I think about forgiveness. I want you to know that forgiveness has got to be a key component of your marriage. That word forgive means to give. Forgiveness is not earned. Forgiveness is a gift that we give to somebody else. I want you to be a good forgiver. Believe that God can do mighty things through your marriage if you will spend some time forgiving one another. You know, I think about what the Bible says about this whole concept of reconciliation. Paul is real specific in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That was reconciling the work to himself, not counting men's sin against them. It has committed to us the message of reconciliation. I want you to know something about your marriage. Your marriage is a picture of reconciliation. God has given you a ministry of reconciliation through your marriage. You know, my dad was a pastor and and he would preach and he was kind of a bivocational pastor. He had a full-time job and, and he was kind of like more of an itinerant pastor and he would go around in different churches and preach. I remember the last message that he ever preached before he passed away. It was from this text, 2 Corinthians 5.18. And he says, what is the purpose of man? And he began by saying, our purpose is to be reconciled with God. 
Did you know that's a purpose for you? God wants us to have a relationship with him, and he made everything possible through his son, Jesus Christ. So the purpose of our lives is to be reconciled with God. But God has also given us a ministry. Everyone listening to this message today, God's given you a ministry. That ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. God uses our marriage to bring about the ministry of reconciliation. God uses our marriage as an opportunity to show others how to be reconciled. You know, many years ago, a couple came to our church and I asked them why they were coming to our church. They were going to another church that I thought was a pretty good church. And they said, well, this church that we were going to, they just hired a new pastor and and uh, this pastor was going to do a series on marriage, but this pastor had been married five times. And I said, I don't know what this guy can teach me about being reconciled in marriage when he hasn't got a very good marriage in himself. The message of reconciliation. Has it ever occurred to you that one of the reasons you ought to stick together with your marriage is so that your children can learn how to have a marriage based on reconciliation? You know, I'm praying that God will allow us to see great growth in the ministry of reconciliation. That is that we'll be reconciled with God and that we'll be able to help other people be reconciled. You know, we live in a day and age where things are breaking up in relationships. In fact, I want to pray that you will experience victory in your ministry of reconciliation by asking you to work on your marriage, by asking you to pray with your spouse. Pray every day with your spouse. Before you go off to work this morning, Grab your spouse by the hand and spend some time praying with him, praying with her. I know it's a very cliche-ish thing to say that couples that pray together stay together, right? But I've learned that my wife and I, we are closer when we pray together. As we think about the future, God can take what is broken in your life and he can put it back together. God loves to take broken lives and putting them back together. I want you to learn the importance of working on your marriage. Marriage was made in heaven. Marriage was God's idea. God can work in your life in a miraculous way if you allow him to work in your life. You know, I'm so thankful for all that God's done through my marriage. When I look at the Bible and what the Bible says about marriage, there are so many great verses on marriage. I want to kind of close off our time looking at a passage of Scripture that I think is really beneficial and that will really help you to be having a marriage that is made in heaven. The Bible is very clear as we look at God's Word, and I want to close with the Proverbs found in Proverbs chapter 31, and I just want to read this passage to you, read this text to you, and I hope by reading it to you that it will bless your heart, bless your soul today as we look at this very meaningful passage of Scripture. It's written by Solomon. Solomon writes these lovely words about his wife. He says, you know, a wife of noble character, who can find her? She is worth far more than rubies. And look what the husband says about her. Verse number 11. Her husband is full of confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, no harm, all the days of her life. And she's also a woman of industry. Verse number 13 of Proverbs 31 says that she goes out and she selects some wool and some flax and, and she works eagerly with her hands. And so she's, she's ambitious. And then verse number 14 says that she is like the merchant ships and she brings her food from afar. She gets up while it's still night. So she's not lazy. She's one that gets up and she provides food for her family. And then she portions out food for her servants. 
And not only is she concerned with those in her family, but she's concerned about those who work for her and work with her. Verse number 16, it says that she goes out and she looks at a field and she considers to buy it. And she has already set aside some money for this. And out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard that she purchases. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable. In other words, she knows how to buy something and improve something and trade something. Her lamp does not go out at night. She works diligently late into the night. In her hand, she holds to the staff and she grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens up her arms to the poor. So she's not just concerned about her own family and her own servants. She also is concerned about those who are less fortunate than she is. She extends out her hands to the needy. And then when the weather turns bad, in verse number 21, it says, when the snow comes along, she has no fear. Why? Because her household is ready. She has all of them clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings. She is clothed in fine linen and fine purple. And so she not only cares for others, but she also knows how to take care of herself. Her husband is respected in the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and she sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and with dignity. In other words, she keeps herself together. She takes care of herself. She eats well, and she makes sure that she is all put together well. And then I love the end of verse 25. It says that she can laugh at the days to come. Why? Because she's prepared. She's prepared for bad days ahead. She has set some things aside, and so she is ready for what may come down the road that she doesn't expect so she can laugh at the days to come. Verse 26 says that she speaks with wisdom and the faithful instructions on her tongue. In other words, she's not just hoarding the information that she has. She's a great instructor, and she watches over the affairs of her household. She doesn't eat the bread of idleness. And I love verse number 28. Her children arise, call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Solomon says that many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that she has done, for the hands that she has put to the task. Honor her with words of praise. Let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Now, as I read this particular proverb, Uh, The reason I close off our time together with this proverb is because I want to encourage some men out there to look at their wives as a Proverb 31 wife. Uh, You may be listening to me say, well, you don't know my wife, and, and she's not a Proverbs 31 woman. But I want you to start thinking of her as a Proverbs 31 woman. I don't want you to look at your marriage of what should be in your marriage. I want you to think about the potential of what could be in your marriage. I promise you, if you believe in your wife as much as you believe in yourself, she will start to live up to your expectations. If you believe that she is an ambitious lady, that she wants to do right for her family, she'll start doing right. If you will look at her as one that is looking out for the the affairs of others as far as helping others, she will start to rise to that challenge. She'll start to rise to that occasion. I'm so big and believing in affirming people. You see, people need more more strokes and pokes. It is so easy to cut people down. It is so easy to belittle people. 
Even in our marriage relationship, it is so easy for us to cut our spouse down. But I want you to build her up. Believe the best of your spouse. Think the best of your spouse. And you'll discover that that marriage will begin to take on a whole new level of intimacy. You'll fall in love deeper with your wife. I think the same thing is true with our children. I think we ought to think the best of our children. We ought to believe the best in our children. We ought to speak the best in the lives of our children. Now, that doesn't mean that we ignore the wrong things they do. We address it, but we address it and we come up with a solution to help them do better next time. Always believing the best in them. You know, somebody believed the best in you one day, and because of that, you are where you are today. The Bible says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful in building up others. Don't use words that tear people down. Use words that build people up, and you'll find an amazing thing happens. As you build up the lives of others, you yourself begin to be built up. It's an amazing truth from God's Word. Well, today I'm praying that you'll have a a marriage that is strong, a marriage that is healthy. Why don't you begin today by praying with your spouse? Not just praying for her, pray with her. And you'll discover a whole new level of intimacy. Well, God bless you. Thank you for listening today. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. God bless you. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.